You are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from the beautiful Sunshine Coast and Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahoma Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I am an astrologer. Welcome to you, the audience, and to Jill. Good morning. Good morning. Yay. <laughs> I think that's several in a row now. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, you know, the things that can amuse one when they get older. <laughs> We're not talking about the hot date from last night, that's for sure. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so we are on the final stretch of um, this lesson six, which was all about sort of introducing the uh, players on the stage. And uh, we're now going to switch to the major revolution that happened when the first non-visible planet was discovered. And it was in like the middle of the 1700s when Um. everything in astrology started to have to go, whoa, what's what's this about? (laughs) What do we do with this one? What do we do with this one? And, you know, I, I can't imagine what it must have been like, you know, for um, an astrologer back in the day. Uh, Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, I imagine there might have been a little bit of skepticism. Well, do you think think it, it was, I mean, it was the beginning of looking beyond, right? Yeah. Because they, they now had a telescope and that's like, oh, there's more stuff out there. And that's yeah. really what Uranus is all about, right? Oh, yeah, so yeah. Going beyond the, the, what we've, the known to something that's Exactly, new. exactly. But as, you know, if you were a working astrologer back in the middle of the 1700s, you know, somebody would have, you know, run over and knocked on your door or maybe yeah the printing press was happening so you might have read it in a broadsheet you know and and you'd be like huh (laughs) and i don't know how long it took them to start incorporating it well exactly you know like who that that would actually be an interesting thing to research yeah Yeah, Yeah. when the first ephemerises started coming out and an ephemeris for the newbies out there that is uh, a book that is generated mathematically now by you know nasa and other the nasa numbers yeah yeah and it it plots the actual position of the planets um and for our ephemeris of course they're based on um the observation from the earth not as it trips around the sun yeah you know which is measured by its latitude it's it's long it's longitude in the in the um elliptic you know, at the backdrop of the elliptic, the, yeah, the zodiac yeah. we use, <laughs> yes, which is mathematical and not the actual stars, um, because they did not align themselves in nice, neat thirty-degree segments. Well, and also from a NASA perspective, they like things, you know, neat packages, right? So that's they, true. That's true. They yeah. work much better with the modern system than with the sidereal system. Than yeah. Because like, it changes. and they. Yes, they like exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the, and the point that changes, just again, so people understand that we understand, is the vernal equinox is moving because the sun is dragging us around the Milky Way. And so, yeah, yeah where the, the, the backdrop of the star that was rising on the day that we're coming up to, uh, yeah. yeah, the, you know, at the start of summer, um, what was, what's the star that's in alignment on that day? What constellation? Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. so we have this wonderful discovery, and I have, I'm just going to put up on the screen a list of, oh, what happened? Oh, there it is. Phew. Oh. Heart palpitation there. My screen went blank. <laughs> okay, so for those in the audience who have access to a computer right now, if you go to my website under radio show under today's show, which is 82, you can pull up um, a list of the ingresses of these outer planets. So Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. And you can see from this um, tabulation that they have very large orbits in comparison to the visible planets, like uh, Saturn takes 28 some odd year, you know, point something to make its trip around. Yeah, yeah, to make its trip around the sun from our point of view. But Uranus takes 84. And then we almost double that to Neptune, which is or a little more than double 164. Uh, well, I guess not quite. And then Pluto, which uh, sounds like kind of a, you know, 248 years, but it's very egg shaped. <clears throat> and so I only went back to 1937, which um, Jill and I are part of the... So these designations almost create uh, generational groups, right? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so Jill and I are part of the Leo generation. There's tons of us around because we're the baby boomers. Um, and then we have the Virgo group. Libra, Scorpio, and of course, right now we're still birthing Caps, Capricorn kids. And within, and within that generation, you've got the the where's Neptune? Yes, yeah. So, so you've got the Pluto and Leos who have Neptune and Virgo, or and in Libra. Neptune. Yeah, right, so. which you and I have it in Libra. And then you can go even further into yeah. where Uranus is. Yeah. And the interesting thing with Uranus is it's, I mean, 84 years is approximately kind of the average lifespan. current lifespan. Yeah. Current yeah. Lifespan of us yeah. humans. And Where, so, you know, if you live to see your 84, yep. they then, then you kind of, you get your Uranus return. Yes. You know, <laughs> which um, is significant. Which we only get one of. Yeah. And, and well, it's interesting because I think a lot of people talk about your second childhood or, or you, um, you know, you kind of don't censor yourself when you get really old because. You know, why? So why? Yeah. Why? It's kind of like Uranus says, okay, you're free now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. I hadn't thought of it that way. But yes. Yeah. yeah. The, the censor filter has come off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, why bother? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so people can refer to this chart and, um, you know, see who all belongs to whatever little generational group you want. 
But let's go back to, um, and by the time Jill and I uh, came into astrology, Pluto had just recently been discovered. It was discovered in the late 40s, I think. Yeah. And so, you know, when we walked into astrology, um, the consensus... Oh, it was discovered earlier than that, I think. In the 30s, yeah. In the 30s, yeah. 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 Part of the Leo thing. And... Yeah. But the where do we put these planets was being at that point in time when uh, we walked into astrology, it was depleted, um, uh, shifting what the original schematic around who's in charge of what. Um, and that led, you know, because they're trying, ast astrologers were trying to make sense of what do we do with these? And they were basing their decisions on what they were seeing in people's charts. And so... Well, I think there's other things they take into consideration from, my, from what I gather. Like you look at the physical or the, the properties of yes, the planet. Yes, yes. I mean, Pluto is the furthest out that we know about. It's like was <laughs> anyway we have the kuiper belt out further now but anyway yeah 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 but it was it's yeah the first yeah. one that we aimed out there way 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 beyond right? yes yeah and, yeah and so it's it's the most remote it's um it's the most hidden it's the darkest i mean it's so yeah. far out really really hard to see it right yeah so, even with you know, instruments yeah and the, and the names are not coincidental I don't think you know? no but it's it's interesting that we can rely on astronomers to give things correct names uh, not <laughs> that they're on our side because trust me most astronomers are not I know and so they've given them these names from mythology yep. and you know Pluto is the the lord of the underworld yes so that, again these these are clues that we have to what's this planet about? <laughs> yeah. 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 And yeah. then watching it, I mean, now with the advent of astrological uh, software, um, like for instance, I did an episode and I was going to figure out which one it was so people could refer to it. But back last year, uh, when the whole pandemic thing first hit, I did a scan of the last time uh, there was a... Uh, Jupiter-Saturn conjunction at the same time that Pluto was in conjunction with those. And sure enough, it highlighted, because that doesn't happen very often, it highlighted two other plagues that um, have happened. And so, you know, there's, we can, we can do that kind of stuff that, um, you know, the ancients, of course, didn't have any access. Their their limit was the Jupiter-Saturn cycle, which still has a, that particular cycle has a huge impact. Um, but these other ones are, were happening as well, obviously. And yeah. Well, yeah, I think the Jupiter-Saturn, it's, it's this more societal planet. Yes, it's, exactly. Society as a whole and, you know, how we organize humanity kind of thing. 
Yeah. Saturn likes to organize after all. <laughs> but, you know, once you hit Uranus, you're going beyond that. Yes. And so the, the modern, when I walked into astrology, these planets were called transpersonal. Yeah. Um, so they took us beyond what you can feel, taste, touch, and what society had been up until their discovery been dealing with. Yeah. And that was the, the sort of opening the door to the impact that these planets can have on a personal chart, on um, a collective. Yeah, like they, you notice when these guys come to visit or if you're born with them touching very significant points in your chart, like your yeah. ascendant, like the ruler of the ascendant or the sun, the moon, or if they're on angles, right? If they're on you, if they're in your first house, yeah. your seventh yeah. house, your tenth, or your fourth, um, yeah. There's no mistaking these. The, the, for example, in in 1982, when Saturn and Pluto did their conjunction, mm -hmm. it was hitting my ascendant, and you can bet I felt that. <laughs> <laughs> I had two miscarriages, and my marriage fell apart. Yes. And uh, because Jill and I have this very unusual thing with our charts, uh, mine is the reverse of hers, um, to the degree, I'm pretty sure. And um, so she was ending a marriage and losing, unfortunately, so I didn't know that part. Um, whereas I was thinking that I should just get married with that. Which it was, yeah. it yeah. turned out not to be such a good idea, but it was obviously a lesson I needed to learn. <laughs> Yes, well, that was your descendant. Being that was treated. my descendant, yeah. It was very, very personal because it was my ascendant. Exactly, so exactly. All about me having, well, it was, I think I'd sort of outgrown where I was. And yes. It was yeah. like, I mean, Saturn, right? It was like the suit was too tight. It was too, yeah. things were not working. And I re it was a recognition of that, of it's time to let go of this. It, yeah, yeah. It's not working and it's it's not healthy for me and yeah and yep. therefore for my kids because you know especially having grown up with parents who were not were unhappily married for a very long time yes yeah don't you need know. to repeat that <laughs> i know that's not a good example so yeah <laughs> yeah the other, um, okay, so let us now pull back a little bit and let's look at each of these characters that are bigger than life sometimes um, that have walked onto your charts stage and they will be somewhere. And sometimes you can have a chart where they're relatively quiet and you just wait for the transits, which is, you know, obviously the planets keep moving after you were born. And so eventually, you know, whether if you don't have any sort of really direct contact with them in your natal chart, eventually you will dance with them um, during the course of your lifetime. And yeah. so I am going to switch back to episode 80 because episode 80 um, has, uh, she says, nope, that That's didn't nice work. Yeah, it has the graphics that uh, Jill had me make, which are wonderful. All right, let me just 
pull them up there we go there we go and i need to so again if you go to my website and you switch back to episode 80 you can see the graphics that go with this otherwise if you're watching this obviously on um uh zoom or not zoom this is zoom on youtube the graphic will come up yay and it did (laughs) okay so an 84 year cycle is uranus and obviously you you can get your uranus uh return i actually in my astrology discussion group we have a guy that is having his uranus return and he's feeling it um, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I think it it happens around you know the middle of the cycle, which is you know uh, in your forties. Yes. And yeah, that opposition is big. It's often, often talked about as the midlife crisis. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, so that you know, I, and interestingly, while I was having my Saturn, that Saturn Pluto on my ascendant, my ex husband was. Having his Uranus opposition. opposition. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. He did typical, you know, midlife thing and had a I wonder. Affair. That makes me wonder if my first husband, when I met him, was having his Uranus opposition. I'll have to look. He, I never thought of that. I bet he was. Well, my, my ex is eight years older than me, so. Yeah, well, just, and my, my first husband was eight or nine years older than me so yeah it was interesting yeah and yeah but it was like he's Capricorn so he did the conventional thing and had an affair and I was like yeah I don't think I want to deal with that yeah (laughs) (laughs) Jesus so you know it was more of an excuse because really the relationship I knew wasn't working by then but it was kind of like okay, there's something to pin it on because you needed you needed grounds back there for divorce. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah. Ha. But one other interesting thing about Uranus that I've read is that even though it wasn't discovered un- until they had a telescope, apparently it could be seen under ideal conditions. Oh. Yeah. So, like, I mean, if you were high up in the mountains and a long way away from cities and smoke, and well, back then you didn't have yeah, exactly, kind of, you know, <laughs> electrical of everything, so that you had the artificial light everywhere. So yeah, the skies would have been much clearer, more easily to visualize things out there. Yeah, but anyway, I, I had heard that I or read it a few times, and I thought, yeah, that's interesting. It's like he's hiding in plain sight. <laughs> Yes, good point. So his namesake was the god of the sky, the heavens, um, and modern astrology puts him uh, ruling Aquarius, not happy in Leo, um, exalted in Scorpio, and fall in Taurus. Yeah, so that's what we've done with it to date. Now, um, so here we have a bunch of keywords so um, and part of these this experience also comes from the astronomy of Uranus so Uranus unlike us it has a pole but the pole well I guess you know who gets to say which is the south pole and the north pole of Uranus but anyway one of those poles points directly at the sun and so it rolls 
in comparison to how we spin in an upright way. Well, slightly tilted upright way. But Uranus rolls. And yeah. Yes, he, he, he does exhibit sort of eccentricities yes. relative to the other planets. The other interesting thing is that he has probably one of the most circular of the orbits. Yes, yeah, he's very consistent, seven years in each sign. Yeah. And that table that I show in uh, episode 82, you can see where it's changing. Okay, so oh. let's, let, let's say that you've got Uranus rising or... Uranus um, conjunct your sun or your moon, perish the thought the moon, although I have the opposition. That's not, that's not a good matchup. But conjuncting my moon <laughs> for far too long. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so to give you a feel for what Uranus is going to do, um, and uh, okay, so I'll just wax a little bit about my experience and what I used to say to people. Um, So I imagined Uranus when I was just practicing modern astrology as the guy in charge of bringing you to your authentic authentic self, I think is what we call it nowadays. Um, Yeah, just that energy that demands that you be you. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's kind of like the awakener. He shakes things up. To wait, it's like if if you sound asleep, it's going to shake you and wake you up. <laughs> yes, yeah. And and being asleep kind of means too too comfortable in that Saturnian box, right? Yeah, yeah. Like let's take away the box because you don't need it, and yes. that can be very unsettling for people. And it and it, it depends on who he's contacting. Like I was saying, yeah. if he's contacting the moon. Um, which you know we want safety and security and love and (laughs) especially moon in taurus which is like i like my comfort zone yes (laughs) (laughs) yes and and for me i was born with uranus opposite the moon and so i had a very erratic mother and a very erratic childhood yeah so it's energy that has its place but it's not always comfortable so here on our graphic we've got electric bulks at tradition and celebrates originality and individuality uranus is associated with innovation discovery and all that is progressive associated with enlightenment Um, We've got progressiveness again, objectivity, novelty, ingenuity, individuality, freedom, rebellious, and revolution. So we can also add to that. Uh, So just this is the kind of energy. So the keyword things give you a sense of how, you know, wherever Uranus is contacting on that stage, um, what's he doing? You know, who's he wired to because uh-huh. it's yeah and also also how you handle that kind of energy depends very much on your natal chart yes the kind of kind of personality you are if you you know if you're very capricornian uh or earthy kind of person it's going to be more uncomfortable than if you've got a lot of air in your 
or or fire even that like yes. freedom and all that yes oh, good. exactly you, yeah you like like, so Uranus in Sag would have been very happy, or Uranus in Leo would be very happy, and... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it, it's about whether it's going to be exciting or disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> and disturbing is uh, how attached you are to the way things are. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost a mutable type of energy in the sense that it, it forces people to let go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, no, we have to take you beyond where you're comfortable because you need to, you know, see something new. Yeah. And, and again, I think that, that um, orientation that Uranus has where it's rolling rather than revolving like we do at the same orientation to the sun. Um, it's kind of like it gives you a different perspective. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because we, we see things on a world that's spinning this way, and on that planet it's spinning this way, and so you're getting a whole different angle on things, right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. So it is very strongly associated, Uranus is, with anything, any of the technologies. So if we think back to what was happening socially in the mid-1700s, that was the dawn of the Industrial Age, and we have not looked back um, yeah. on the several laps that Uranus has made since its discovery. And the pace at which now... Um, the Iranian technological revolution is at is for some of us <laughs> and I would have never th thought this like my dad went from horse and buggy to the first car to satellite phones or oh, yeah. and yeah. but we're who knows where we're going to end up I mean well, yeah, and, and that's yeah. The, yeah, it, it's, it's almost like it's out of control. <laughs> yes, yes. And too much fast. And just yeah. because you can do something doesn't, doesn't mean, mean you should. Do. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's, I think it's that it's an imbalance that's happened. We've yeah. gone too far toward Uranus and not enough groundedness, not yeah. enough with the earth because it's yeah. not about. Right, we're we're yeah. going into oh well, we can leave the Earth behind. We don't have we don't need that earthy stuff. We don't need oh, nature. We just, there is no planet B yet, <laughs> right? Yes, because everything the answer is technology, and yeah. no, not quite right. Yeah. So again, we need a revolution in how we see that energy and that and what progress is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'm just noticing we're kind of halfway through, and we do have two other outer planets. So let's move oh, on to the fun. next discovery, which was Neptune. Okay, god of the sea, rules Pisces. Um, I guess modern hasn't, so, hasn't designated, I kind of, I yeah. I don't see anything about that, and I, I think, you know, you're getting so far beyond the personal and the... Yes. Yeah, you know, a centered thing that um, I think probably yeah that may be not relevant exactly. I, and I would agree with you. Yeah, although I think Neptune, from my perspective, would be not very comfortable in Virgo, which is opposite Pisces, yeah. or in um, Gemini. 
Yes. Yeah. Gemini is clear. They both both want clarity and you yeah. Know, yeah are really related to mercurial stuff. Yeah. And I think it kind of doesn't work well with that. <laughs> Maybe you not. Know, unless you're a uh, you know, into writing songs or writing poetry, poetry or, or romance novels or, or yeah, yeah. I mean, there it can. It's not that it can't work. It's just that it it's you know when you want clarity of thinking and you've got Neptune. Neptune tends to be nebulous. Yes. And so it, yeah. It can cloud your thinking. <laughs> yeah, glamour. That's an that's another word that we should have added to this one was yes. glamour. Um, So glamour in the context of um, thinking that you're standing in front of the Wizard of Oz when it's really just smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. My my youngest daughter has Pisces rising. She's Virgo, but she has Pisces rising and Neptune at the Midhaven. Ah. When she was really little. She always, you know, she she thought she wanted to be, you know, like a movie star or famous or whatever. Yeah. But she didn't like people looking at it oh no yeah no that's not gonna work that kind of thing yeah right yeah you know if she was in the school play she didn't want people looking at she didn't want them noticing her it's like well that's (laughs) gonna work with that idea you have about yeah yeah (laughs) yes exactly exactly yeah. And so this one, um, one of the things that uh, was happening socially when Neptune came on the scene or was discovered um, was mesmerism. And, yes. um, you know, people starting to play with energy and Spiritual. spiritualism. spiritualism. And yeah. And so, but now with the um, uh, advent of, um, more world travel, especially when it comes to spirituality and stuff. Uh, Neptune has found a home on pretty much every continent um, in terms of it almost becoming more mainstream. The idea of um, being able to shift dimensional reality um, as a positive experiential thing to do you know it's yeah yeah, one one of the interesting things I noticed in the 80s when I think it was the 80s when uh, Saturn and Neptune were conjunct yes that was that was when virtual reality first came came. yes yes or when when Neptune when Neptune went into Capricorn that's when we spiritualized rocks and yes, all of yes. a sudden there was this whole, you know, supposedly new revolution about, you know, yes. stones and their spiritual property and their energetic right. property. Yeah, that was definitely Neptune I, in I Capricorn. That, that that was just so perfect. Yeah. Neptune is about as virtual as you can get with That's right. Yeah. Um, and really to me, they are Neptune and Saturn are kind of antithetical Yes. Yeah. That. um, Yeah, we've got two different kinds of reality. We've got the physical five senses reality of Saturn. If I can see, taste it, etc. Yep. And Neptune is the other. Again, nebulous. Yeah. Hard to define. Impossible to define what spirituality is. Yes. Yeah. No. It's it's not about that. Yeah. 
it's it's that it's that nebulous um you don't define what neptune's about it which no. is, it makes it hard to talk about yeah and it also i think makes it one of the most difficult energies for us to to deal with when we have a transit yeah, yeah. or or if you've got it um personally connected to yeah. um you know like the sun or the moon because it's it's not or the ascendant uh, because it's not about embodiment um no and so no. um you know this this can be scenarios where the person is literally not physically grounded and well, because yeah and there's no sense of boundaries with me. oh like, yeah and that part's hard that part's hard Saturn is boundaries and Neptune yeah. is lack of them and, and uh, yeah not a good one. mix yeah I mean we are all one is I, I believe is true yes you know I, th I think the spiritual spiritual reality is true yes but it's hard to um see it from a physical contained perspective yes Right, you can't live like you're one with everything yeah. around you. Yeah. that just doesn't work. <laughs> no, it doesn't. As right? many communal so scenarios have tried. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so that's you know, and that's where drugs can come in. Yes. Yeah. Because drugs are are often a, a, an issue, addiction and and yeah. alcohol and drugs because they distort our our yeah. sense of reality in a sense. Yeah. Yes. So Neptune uh, is a difficult thing. So wherever you're going to find it in your chart, um, you know, if you're creative or spiritual or religious or philosophical, I mean, there's scenarios in which Neptune will um, grant wonderful stuff. Uh, compassion, Absolutely. receptivity, all of that is. But there, it, it is music and poetry. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and creativity itself, in a sense, because where does our creative urge come from, right? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. It just arrives, right? Yes. So yes, yeah. it arrives out of nowhere, right? Yeah. Out of <laughs> so the aha moment. Yeah. And all of that. Yeah. So, yeah, it has it definitely, it's not an, there's never, a, there, none of these are good or bad. They all have uh, pros and cons and positive expression and not so positive. Yes. But yeah, if you're a writer, you want a little Neptunian energy yeah. to inspire you and get the creative juices flowing. Yeah. Not yeah. restricted by Saturnian critic, right? Yes. Yeah. You just want a free free flow, flow. and that's Neptune, right? Yep. Just let it flow, right? That's. But for instance, so here, here would be one of the scenarios that um, doesn't work really well. Um, a young child who is strongly connected to Neptune and you place him in an environment in which people are fighting. The, yeah. Because there are no boundary, depending on what the contact is, you know, if, let's say it's Neptune conjunct the moon, um, then this poor child has no way of fielding all that negative energy. Yeah, and yeah. I, you know, I have I have Neptune very near my ascendant, right? Mm. From it's in the twelfth, but it's pretty yeah. within, within a few degrees, basically. Yeah. And and I, you know, I was always really sensitive, right? Yes, 
picking yeah. up on I, and it's very confusing because you well yeah to you, children you they're hear, they're not you hear prepared what people are saying but you also hear what they're not saying what their body language without yeah. knowing that's what you're doing of course exactly so, yeah exactly yeah. yeah so it's a very it can be very confusing but also there's the intuitive sense of oh yeah it, that can be turned to a huge plus a huge plus but i remember going through after my dad left um when I was 14. And I mean, I missed about two thirds of the year of school and nobody put it together with the fact that my father had left. But my mother, you know, I was always homesick, right? Yeah. So my mom would take me around to the doctor and finally she had one doctor who diagnosed me as hypersensitive. Oh, that's not useful. So that's like, yeah, that's Neptune. Yes. You know, yeah. Just it's like your nerve endings are on your outside of your body. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's knowing what impact or where you might be boundarily boundaryless. Like for instance, if you've got Neptune in your second house, that could be a bit tricky. <laughs> Water may flow through, money may flow through. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes. and and understanding, you know, where that Neptune is um, is going to, you know, like what's the usefulness of where this? Yeah. Of course, that's the my Capricorn Moon saying that, um, and uh, yeah, and so knowing what where Neptune is on your stage can be incredibly helpful. For sure, yeah, yeah. it's it's again, it has its place, like everything else. These energies all have their place and can be beneficial in their own way. Yes, but depends on your personality as well. <laughs> exactly on all the other factors in the chart. Okay, so before we run out of time, let us go to my favorite planet. Yes, I mean, even though the astronomers may have said that he's Yes, not he's a been demoted. Clearly, they've never had a Pluto transit. <laughs> or this no. guy packs a wallop. <laughs> yes, he total wallop. Okay, so Pluto um, discovered in the 30s. So obviously, he's the newest kid on the block. Um, well, actually, there's a whole bunch since him. There's Okay, so Pluto is... Not sure if he is actually a member of the Kuiper Belt, but the Kuiper Belt is just a little bit further out, I believe. And so there have there's a bunch more objects that have been given names, and astrologers have ephemerises along with the asteroid belt that's between Mars and Jupiter. You, oh, yeah. can, you can literally uh, fill your entire chart with points. Yeah, <coughs> Not recommended. No, no, from my perspective, you know, keeping it down to these main yeah. major planets. I do include Chiron. But yeah, yeah. There, there's a limit to, but like, for instance, I know um, in my latest wandering through uh, the asteroids, I discovered that there is an asteroid who is sort of... Um, um, dedicated to dancers and it was on a dance s studio website that I found this asteroid um, because it happens to be conjunct my Venus and um, I love to dance 
So there are these sort of little nuancey things that, you know, once you can, you know, you can play with down the road, but it's sort of like, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to get into that until you've got the basics down. Well, in theory, yes. These are the primary primary movers and shakers. Exactly. And the others do add nuances, but I find, you know, there's people sometimes who put so much into the chart. Well, anything can explain anything if you do that right yes yeah yeah keep it simple (laughs) (laughs) okay so with the advent of pluto uh i can remember when i first came into astrology it was likened to the fact that humanity all of a sudden was capable of literally wiping us off the planet um Mm -hmm. and so it was associated with uh atomic energy um, but it has since, I don't, you don't hear that particular piece as much anymore. Um, and well, you uh, know, they do use plutonium. Yes, they do use plutonium. Yeah. And uranium, actually. Yes. Yeah, like so you put Pluto and Uranus together and you get things like the fall of the Berlin Wall. No, yeah. that was, that was actually Uranus-Neptune. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was Uranus-Neptune. So dissolving. Saturn, Saturn, I believe. I think they're three of yeah, them. Yeah, the three of them were together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, Pluto Pluto is, yeah, it's, uh, it's he's powerful. The, well, and he's the guy powerful. of the underworld. So <clears throat> as Jill has pointed out numerous times, which is true, it will expose things um, yes. that have been that are hidden, that people don't want exposed. Um, But the other thing that I find um, is when there is personal contact, like a conjunction, like, uh, for instance, Pluto-Mars, to me, that is the biggest stick in the park. And it's not that we all don't have personal power, because we do, but we aren't all directly wired with it. And having to learn how to how to manage it correctly and yeah, so no, direct contact from pluto demands a certain you know so that's pluto moon you you've got a tremendous amount of emotional power but you're going to have to become aware of that <clears throat> or it can cause problems well yeah because with mars you've got that explosive kind of um, cutting immediate, immediate kind of yeah. knee-jerk reaction <clears throat> you can pair that up with with and power, there can be real yeah. tendency to violence, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and learning to contain that, the, you can have the effect of like these little, uh, these Asian Qigong masters. Who yes. Yeah. Embody that energy so solidly within themselves. They're not going around looking for a fight, but they don't even have to touch somebody to knock them over, right? Exactly, they, exactly. That is are, a really they, good example of it, yes. They are that power. And yeah. so they're yeah. not using, and whether they have Mars involved or not, that Pluto, you know, if you ground it in it, it is the power we all have. Exactly. And that's that's the important part of it is recognize because a lot of people are afraid of their own power. Yes, they are, yeah. And that can come up in the chart too because what we believe about power is it's about having power over others or controlling others or you know yeah typically that is the way but real power is quiet yeah real power is within yeah yeah you harness that 
you can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. But but because we have these negative associations with power, you know, a yes. lot of yeah. example I often use is that, you know, if somebody's holding a gun to your head, do they have the power? Yeah. Well, they can't make you do something just because they have a gun to your head. You still have the power to say no. Yeah. They can blow your brains out, but they can't make you do what they want you to do if you say no. Yeah. So yeah. you do have that power within to choose. Yeah. That's, yeah, I'm not going to do that. You can shoot me. I don't care. Right? <laughs> so, that That is the theory. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. that's. A rather, yeah. that is a rather Plutonian way of describing it. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So where you find, you know, what, okay, so, and this is the one that a lot of astrologers use to define um, groups of people. So the baby boomers with Pluto and Leo. Yeah. Um, and then I think the next one is the millennials with Pluto and Virgo and, and, and on and on. So like right now, um, we've got Pluto is still in the waning degrees of Capricorn. But right. his orbit is so long and it's very eccentric, like it's, it's egg-shaped. And so when it's traveling through Scorpio, it's ticking right along. It was only like 12 years or so in yeah. Scorpio. But when it's in uh, Taurus, it's like almost three times that long. You know, it's like 30 yeah. years. But yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a it's, long period of time. And so again, if you've got this um, transpersonal planet uh, in close proximity, conjunction, square, or opposition to a significant point in your chart, then you are personally on an ongoing basis dealing with this energy. But mm -hmm. we all, to some degree, will get visits from Pluto. And um, at sort of the height of my old career back in the day, um, this was the guy that brought most people into the office to see me was transits from this guy, yeah. from Pluto. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, it, yeah it, 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 you feel it, you know this is bigger than you. And you're like, what the heck is going on? Because <laughs> There it, is an intensity. Yeah. But, like, Uranus can be intense because it's boom, right? Yeah. But it's boom. And exactly. Pluto Pluto is intense, but it's subtle. And I think often... And it's grinding. And, and you, it's don't, you don't realize the effects of it till way after the fact, because it's not like, it's, it's not like okay, that's over and now it's over. Yeah. It, le it leaves sort of this deep, deep, you're still going to feel this for a while. Wow. <laughs> exactly. So let us take this totally into the present time. So we had last year 2020 and astrologers had been looking forward to this mega conjunction that happened in january knowing yeah. that what was about to happen was going to take a long time for the fallout to be finished yeah. and the changes made because we had jupiter we had pluto we had saturn and they all conjoined along with the sun and uh, Mars and yeah 
And so 2020 is sort of the apex, but because Pluto was involved, um, the fallout from what we've what we went through is going to, as Jill said, take years for yeah. this. And so, what does he do? He's uh, one of the analogies that is given to Pluto is the phoenix rising from the ashes, and yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's total destruction. Yeah. It's yeah. like everything must be torn down so we can build a new. Yeah. It's that kind of renewal and rebirth. Yeah. So the um, analogy that I used to give for people who had direct personal contacts, I would use the happy butterfly analogy. And so I would start with, oh, you're just a wonderful little butterfly. You're twittering along. And then some part of you says, oh, cocoon. And you think, oh, okay, I'll build a cocoon. And then I would point out my thinking here or no you're a caterpillar right oh i got this backwards right so you're a caterpillar and you're (laughs) you're you're scrunching along on the ground and then you get this thought oh i should build a cocoon and so you do and then you are melted down my suspicion is is the caterpillar if he had a known that's what he was about to go through he would have said nah i think i'll pass on that because that doesn't look like it's going to feel very good to like totally become liquid and then form into and then uh, you know so i would use this analogy with clients that had like pluto conjunct the sun transit or the moon or the ascendant and they'd be looking at me like and i'd be going oh but but pluto does give you this gift at the end <laughs> well, yeah, and, <laughs> and it's a butterfly you know and you get to fly away as something new you know but they'd usually come to see me after the second hit right yeah. and they yeah. would want me to say it's done right and i'd be like yeah sorry yeah, no it's, it's, it's generally that three hits people say when will this be over, over. <laughs> And, and is the light at the end of the tunnel a train, or is it actually light? And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I think I think that's true, right? And, <laughs> and and the other thing with Pluto being in Capricorn for many years now, yes, <laughs> feels- twenty eleven, I think, is when it went in. Yeah, yep. um, and has a couple more to go. Yeah, um, the last time it started, it was going through Capricorn was the yes. beginning of beginning of the Industrial Revolution, and then we had the American Revolution. Yes, yes, and I am I am going to switch. Keep going, I'm gonna, as you're yeah. speaking, I'm going to switch because and, we have those charts. The United States is coming up to their first Pluto return. Exactly. That doesn't happen for individuals, but it does happen for countries. Yeah. And we don't see it very often because a lot of countries are a lot older than that. Yes. And Canada's Canada's not even close to ours. No, but, no. But the U.S. is, is well, they're in it. They've been in it for a while. Yes. Because Pluto's been within spitting distance of their, their natal Pluto yeah. for quite a while. And, and so uh, for those on YouTube watching this or those who can switch to the current lesson, number 82, I do have the U.S. chart, and you can see... Pluto is at 27 degrees of Capricorn. Their Mercury is at 24. So all since 2011, uh, America has been undergoing um, a yeah Pluto and Capricorn well, transformation. Due to its cancer planets there, it's had to oppose yeah, its exactly Sun and now yep. Mercury and, and coming up to Pluto. It has been in this process 
Yes. Uh, Melting um, down, hopefully, and reforming into yes. something and, and, better. You know, and it, and, I mean, it's always been a big power on the planet, right? Yeah. And not using its power in a very positive way much of the time, if we look at its record of wars. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. You know, that's not okay. So we would like to see that change yes. in a butterfly. Yes, we would. <laughs> we would. The whole world would like that. And I we don't like need it to be replaced by some other power doing no, the same exactly. nonsense. Yeah. No, no, and no. And the other thing with Pluto and Capricorn, I mean, Pluto is, we get the word Plutocrat from Pluto. Yes. Yeah. Right? Because Pluto is the lord of the underworld, which is where all the wealth was kept. Yes. Yeah. All those precious gems and gold and all that stuff is down <laughs> under the ground. That's right. That's kind of what the plutocrats are wanting to get at and yeah. use, and have been and hoard and keep to themselves and yada, yada, yeah. Yeah, and of course in the U.S. chart, it's all second eighth house stuff, which yeah. is mine and yours. <laughs> yeah, and what yeah. you, what's yours is mine too. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, because you, you put the power into the resources, and um, you know the the. Uh, so in the ancient way of looking at this, the moon does not see Pluto. And yeah. the moon represents the people. And the people yeah. have been told to be their individualistic self. Moon in, your, moon in Aquarius. Right, you um, can do anything you want. Right? Yeah. But they don't see that the government, which is up there in Cancer, Sun, uh, opposite that, uh, well, it's not in a direct, but from an ancient point of view, a sun, you know, like sign oppositions are just that, um, you know, that they're they're hoarding all that power away from the, the moon, because the moon, it's an inconjunct, and again, in ancient astrology, that is not, uh, that's an aversion, and so again, the people are not aware of who has the power and what are they doing with it yeah 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 and that, that's not helping them no it isn't <laughs> no, no it i is think there is, there is a you know an awakening happening with this saturn uranus square that's happening yes too. yeah yeah because yeah, that absolutely. will impact the people and that's because that is happening right ahead of the u.s actually getting that exact you yeah. return so I think yeah they're they're going through this they are they're in the cocoon right now they, they are know. melting down in very strange yeah. ways. Yes. yes. One of oh, one wow. of the bizarre things that I heard um, with the fact that they've rolled out enough vaccine that they are now you know going to open everything up is the they're expecting an explosion of mass shootings and you're just like what. What? Yeah. Well, and, and violence. You know, we talking about Neptune earlier. Their their Neptune squares their natal Saturn there from the tenth house. Or sorry, there's natal Mars. In yes. The seventh. Yeah. Yes, it does. Right. So, exactly. So yeah. They're always. They always seem to be looking for some enemy out there to attack. Right? Yes. Yeah, and and in the, and right now it's this nebula. It's been a nebulous war on terror. Yeah, whatever like, that means. Yeah. Well, exactly. It's there's been so many nebulous like em yeah. enemy. Yeah, like war on drugs, war on this, war on that. Yep. Now it's this invisible, you know, microbe or whatever. You know, I mean, it's, 
it, it you can't see it, but we know it's out there, and we're, we're going to fight it. You yeah. know, so this is this is not a helpful thing. But yeah, it's got to go yeah. in there. <laughs> so again, you know, lots lots of changes to come, and yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Ha. Huh. So the big three have just wandered out into your chart and, um, you know, you will be concerned or not <laughs> with any direct contact that you might get from these transpersonal well, and, it, and know that there's not, I mean, it, there's not like a history like there is with the, the seven traditionals. I mean, you can go back and, and read because they're being produced now. It's just amazing. Some of the books that are being uh, translated now by astrologers who have learned ancient Greek. And so, you know, they're cutting through, they're not, they're going to the original, what can be found of the original texts. But again, none of these planets are in any of those texts. So we are still writing the texts on these outer planets. A learning process. With yeah, Pluto. exactly. What's going yeah. on right now is, you know, a lot yeah. of learning. And, and yeah, even, well, Neptune, I think, could be an internal learning thing because it's so nebulous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they are beyond, they are beyond us, literally. Yes, they're yeah. Beyond, they're beyond our, our, you know, five senses reality. Yep. And so Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto are all there, out yep. there. And, but their influence is very powerful. And very we, real, yeah. And, and yeah, you, if you have a transit, you will notice it. Yes, you will. <laughs> I had well, Uranus no, just go over my ascendant a couple of years back. And yeah, that uh, brought me up completely short. <laughs> yeah, well, it's I think, my right now. <laughs> yeah. I think that in my experience, um, looking at people's charts, that direct hits to the ascendant, um, and not everybody will get them, A, you might not live long enough, and B, where Pluto and Neptune and Uranus were when you were born, um, you know, you may not get them going over the ascendant. But I think that crossing the ascendant is the most impactful transit that a person can have. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah. For sure. yeah. All righty. Well, look at that. We've managed to babble away another hour. Yay, team. <laughs> thank you, Jill. Thank you. Thank you. Um, oh. Thank you, audience. However yeah. many of you are out there. And uh, this will go up on YouTube and, and up on Spotify and you know, all those other strange and wonderful platforms as Uranus has given us social networking beyond belief. <laughs> <laughs> and it has. <laughs> we, you know, we've been living in a very Uranian century. Well, we've spanned yeah. two centuries, but very Uranian. Yeah. Anyway, I'm down to 31 seconds. So I must say, you have been listening to 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station. And we look forward to uh, seeing you guys and talking to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Did you know that if you are a local